If you're looking for a podcast to give you the rundown of states where it's safe to perform in drag. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the, those same states would be where they're not banning books. Probably. Probably, yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. So. But this isn't that podcast. No. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a married couple take turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, and then we sit down and discuss it together. Uh, and discuss why we either liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and then share that discussion with you. I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on that health site known as Twitter, <laughs> as long as it's still running. It sort of shut down earlier this week. Twitter. Twitter. Uh, Twitter. 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 So Twitter. I, I need to pronounce it with a D to make you happy? No, I'm just going to heckle you regardless. Fine then. Twitter. Uh, at Movie Man Stan. You can uh, follow the podcast there as well. At CT Marriage. You can send us emails. Comedy Tragedy Marriage at gmail.com. And you can also send us a voice message simply by clicking the link in the description of this episode. If you would be so kind, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review as well as a follow, and that will help other people find the podcast. And if you can't do that, then please share us on your socials. Joining me, as always, is the love of my life, the light in my sky, mm. the, 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 the pillow upon which I rest my head sometimes. <laughs> my other half oh i'm having a thought right now but yeah. i'll share it with yeah, you during later. the break yeah um maud the quiet bra well which not really rarely but, happens yeah uh um, but but this this week uh it was my choice and i chose the nine time oscar nominated film um, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's available to stream on Netflix. It is a German production. It is all, and one of the things it's nominated for is a foreign language film. Mm. Um, and it is, um, you know, a bit of a surprise, I think, as far as how many nominations it got, including Best Picture, mm. uh, because <clears throat> it was. A Netflix film. Um, it only cost twenty-five million dollars to make. That surprises me. Having having seen the thing and Sorry. looked at it, twenty million dollars to make. That surprises me even more. Uh, and it is. Uh, it's in German. Uh, so it is. You know, a film that um, doesn't normally get your uh, best picture nomination uh, for two reasons. It's in a foreign language and it's uh, a Netflix film primarily mm -hmm. streaming. It was released in theaters briefly uh, for to get it Academy Award consideration but it was only in there maybe a week or two. Um, it's uh, It stars Felix Kummerer 
uh, Albrecht Schuch. Schuch? Schuch. Schuch. Got to get the in there. Yes, that's a German thing. Aaron Hilmer, uh, Moritz Klaus, Adrian Grudenwald, uh, Eden Hasanovich, and Daniel Bruhl, among others. It is set in World War One, uh, near the end of World War One. A group of four high school students. Uh, decide to join the army. They have been moved by the patriotic speeches that their uh, high school principal gives. Such patriotic fervor. Yes. And um, they think it's going to be this grand adventure where they will leave as boys but come back as men. Um, Well, that may be true in some ways. In some ways. But I don't think they'll, they would come back as the men they were thinking they were going to come back as. Um, yeah, war is hell. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and the movie follows these four as they go from um, I- idealistic young men to uh, war-weary soldiers and it also takes a look at the people who are guiding the war or, or trying to stop it, as the case may be, um, and how their, their experiences are so very, very different from the uh, generals who are, you know, way back um, in the cities and enjoying... Uh, very rich foods and and wines and uh, things of that nature, you know, and the diplomats who also are in a uh, very fancy train because they are going to a, a peace conference an arm to try to get an armistice with uh, the allies, and uh, they too are eating very uh, full meals. They are living the high life, yes. and their soldiers are slogging through mud, muck, cold, um, wet disease, I'm sure. Yes. It, it's, it, uh, you, one of the first things that you said and I agreed with was this had to be a fun shoot. Yeah, I am sure it was quite unpleasant because they're constantly marching and running and falling into mud and, and, and puddles. Um, and on a couple of occasions, our main, um, character, Paul, played by Felix Kummer, is caked in mud. Caked in mud. Uh, which, which may have been some sort of makeup, but at one point, um, he's in a hand-to-hand fight. And his face is being mashed down in the mud as as the the other soldier is trying, trying to drown to, him to drown him or suffocate him in the mud. Yeah, in the mud. And um, the the bubbles are coming up as he's ugh. yeah, just yeah. gross. It it could not have been a fun movie to shoot, but um, it it says as much about that war is hell. Um, especially for those who actually do the fighting uh, as opposed to those who are um, 
way back in the back who are just directing the pawns on the chessboard. Mm -hmm. um, and also the um, inequities in our society or in, in their society, but in our society as well, um, about, you know, the haves and the have-nots. And, yeah. you know, the young and the poor tend to be the ones that go off to war. And uh, the rich and the powerful tend to not. Um, yeah. So it, 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 it works as both uh, a war movie and as an allegory uh, for, um, you know, f uh, fairness and, and being, you know, the powerful using and abusing the, uh, the poor. I'd like to talk a little bit about the original material on which this was based. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's based on a book um, by the same name, All Quiet on the Western Front, written by Eric Maria M Remark, um, born Eric, Eric Paul Remark. Um, he was born in 1898, um, died in 1970. Um, this is considered his landmark novel. It was published in 1928, and it was based on his own experience in the Imperial German Army during World War I. Um, the book was an international bestseller, and it created a new literary genre, and it has been um, adapted to film several times, actually. this The one we watched mm -hmm. is the most recent one. Um, Remarks anti-war themes, this according to Wikipedia, led to his condemnation by Nazi propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels as unpatriotic. Well, then you know he must have been doing something right. Yeah, um, he was able to, um, the novelist was able to use his literary success um, to um, relocate to Switzerland and then the United States, and he became a naturalized um, United States citizen. But yeah, the, the, the story is based upon his World War I experience in the German uh, Imperial Army. Um, it also, I read someplace else that this iteration of the story um, and its, um, its parallel storyline of the behind the scenes machinations um, as far as trying to negotiate an armistice um, were not actually part of the book. Mm -hmm. Haven't read the book, so I don't know. And um, as as long as this film was, I, I don't know if the book is something that I could tackle. If the, if the book is anything similar in scope um, to what this film was, I, I don't know if I'm grown up enough to try to read it yet. You mean... As far as its as its depth and seriousness and and and, and just and overall sheer size too size okay yeah. Um, yeah the whole that whole shooting match it's just um, because I I don't want to spoil anything this early in our discussion but this film is large yeah well there's a lot yes it's it's over two hours long there's um, there's that but it's large in other ways yeah, too. it's large in scope. Um, and kind of requires you to pay attention. Now, I decided that instead of the original German, that we would watch it with an English dub. And I am glad that you made that call. I would have um, 
that would be my preference. Yes. Um, and we did have the captions on because yes. I'm a lazy TV viewer and I think my hearing's starting to go. So I like having um, the captions to read. Yeah. So, and it, in this particularly, I think it was helpful. Yeah. Um, and seeing a movie that is uh, uh, in a foreign language with subtitles in a theater is much easier to pay attention to because the image is so much larger. Even while you're reading, you can still pretty much see, you know, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that in makes the sense. Whereas on a TV, if you're watching a foreign language film or a show, a documentary, whatever that it's is, like, in are a the foreign language, are the captions big enough? Read. Well, is that, there, can you also your 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 attention is down at the bottom of the screen. Whereas the action is happening in the middle and top of the screen. And it's easy to miss stuff. And it's easy to miss things that are going yeah. on. So I unilaterally decided to, to put on the uh, English dub, and I'm glad that you thought that was a good idea. Even though you unilateraled me, yes. Yes, I, I, I did not include you in my decision. You're such and a man. And for that, I apologize. Um, now, something uh, you talked about, the size the sheer size of the book now it's impossible to tell exactly you know if it's um, small print or what but according to the wikipedia for the book mm -hmm. it's 200 pages huh which seems there seems weird it does um, now, of course, Wikipedia... Is that an English translation, you think, or the in the original German? I think it's or... probably in the German. Hmm. But Interesting. you probably have a copy of it at your library. Um, if not my branch, I know we have it in, in the collection somewhere. So you could look it up and, and see what, what's what. I can indeed. Uh, but, yeah, uh, and perhaps the addition of that parallel storyline of the negotiations made it and the, larger and uh, and i don't know if the german general who is adamant that they continue fighting right yes. up until the end mm -hmm. i don't know if that part's in the book either yeah but um it's uh it is both a beautiful and ugly movie it is. It, you commented more than once that there were some incredible shots, some just gorgeous looking uh, the, images. The cinematography is just outstanding. And I'm thinking that that's one of the things it was nominated for an Oscar for. Yes. Yes. Uh, I totally get that. So, uh, but, and part of, of the beauty is the ugliness because it is, it is showing you an unvarnished view of war. Um, of course, World War One was mostly fought in the trenches. Hand-to-hand mm -hmm. -hand and... Hand-to-hand -hand and, and... We all... do see some tanks. Uh, there were a few tanks. There were a few airplanes. Mm -hmm. uh, there weren't many airplanes. Uh, there were flamethrowers in, involved. There was poison gas. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, but mostly it was fought on the ground by, uh, men who 
you know, sometimes would advance a few hundred yards mm -hmm. and, you know, kill as many people as they could. And then they would be overrun. Uh, it, there's a, a couple of, of car inf information cards at the end of the film that talks about how the front lines only moved a few hundred yards over the course of the war, but back and forth. They pretty much ended the war exactly where they started. Um, Except with a lot of dead people. Yes, 17 million <laughs> dead people. That I knew there was an enormous number of casualties in World War One. I. I did not realize it was 17 million. Um, so it there's just it, this this movie is is so clear in its point of view on war. When we watch, you know, World War Two epics. Um, especially ones done in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. um, we, we get a much more, you know, rah-rah, sanitized version of war. Because, well, it's all about truth, justice, in the American way. And they were also operating under the Hayes Code. Yeah. Uh, so they, they had limits as to what they could show. Um, but... You know, and I expected more gore out of this movie. I did too, and that's something that I actually wanted to mention is that we, there's a lot of, it, it's hard to explain it. It's graphic, mm -hmm. but not. It's mm -hmm. that you don't see a whole lot of blood necessarily. No. You don't see a whole lot of like severed limbs and stuff, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It, But you see a lot of, grit and dirt and mud and um and there are plenty of dead bodies there are dead certainly. bodies but you, you don't you're not seeing a whole bunch of dismembered limbs floating yeah. around it's it's not it's a graphic war picture but kind of not yeah in a lot of ways i mean there there is more gore in that opening scene of saving private ryan when they storm the beach oh yeah then there is an entire all uh all quiet on the western front that is not to say that it is not intense yes because it's extremely intense yes and uh, you mentioned something about the scope of the film that the it doesn't cover a lot of time no no hardly any at all really but it it's it's huge looking yes it feels like a war epic mm -hmm. um it's the the color palette is um drab and gray it's desaturated mostly it's desaturated, but it's still graphic with a lot of contrast in it. Mm -hmm. And again, that, that owes, I think, in part to cinematography, to um, the vision of the director, how, um, you know, how everybody associated with the production wanted it to look and feel. It feels cold. Yes, yes. Almost, almost tactile in yeah. its cold sensation that it gives you um, because of the color palette mm -hmm. and the 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 graphic contrast but there's there's 
it's just cold colors. It's you don't see a lot of sunshine. You right. don't see, you know, the warmth of fireplace as much. You you see a little bit of warm color palette like on the train, mm -hmm. um, but not really much else in the you know and a lot of it you know it by and large mostly takes place outdoors right in this you know hand-to-hand -hand, um combat there are also sound design was incredible mm -hmm. because where where we have hand-to-hand -hand combat where bayonets are being used that squelching mm -hmm. sound is visceral almost to I'm not a squeamish person but it's visceral almost to a stomach churning degree there uh, at one point Paul uses what looks like I thought was a shovel at first but apparently it's some sort of axe because he's hacking into he's this hacking guy. into people yeah. with with it uh, and um, at another time he uses a dagger and stabs a guy like six or seven mm -hmm. times, um, and and there's decent amount of blood in that mm, one yeah. because he's bleeding out the mouth. Um, it, it's it is a it is a devastating movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's no real happy ending. Um, no, and and it's not like there's and there sh and there doesn't have to be. No. In this case, there shouldn't. No. Because the, the whole point of view is just this ongoing, ongoing hellscape of war. This meat grinder. Yeah. That is just taking away a big chunk of a generation. And it's not like there's even a linear A to B to C to D plot. Yeah, no, there's really not much of a plot. Um other than will these boys survive um and if so how how and how much damage will they accrue if not physically then emotionally mm -hmm. um because you can see they're they're bright-eyed and, and happy the the four uh high schoolers as they head off to war, they 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 think this is going to be an adventure of a lifetime. Yeah, they're caught up in the the errant the fervor. Yeah, the errant notion of of maturity and romance and being soldiers and, and, and nationalism. Oh yeah. Um, but then the longer it goes on, the more they see what they're really involved in. You can just see their their face, their eyes turn gray. They are, you can see the light go out of them. Um, yeah. They, this, I mean, one of them even says, I didn't think it would be like this, or um, I didn't, I didn't know it would be like something along that line. Uh, of course, that's why they're being shelled and they're in a bunker and he's beating his head against a wall. Yeah. Um, but it's. It's just this this devastating and for that war honest portrayal of the uh, grunt on the ground at the front lines where they have no discernible mission other than to either move forward or to fall back. Advance or retreat. And to kill or be killed. 
it is a a dark, um, awful look at war, and it's very effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm a whole big gung ho war kind of guy. Um, you know, when now anyway, a large part of our war, at least in, from what I can tell, I mean, we still have boots on the ground uh, in, in a war, but, you know, a large part of our war is either done from 50,000 feet in a fighter jet or um, or from some base somewhere flying a drone. And, in, of course, even that has its emotional toll on those who... Uh, who carry it out? Sure, but it's it certainly isn't anything like World War One. No, um, you know where you know they 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 were constantly wet and cold. Um, and you know they, they were sick. Yeah, a lot. There's probably a lot of communicable sickness. Um, well, and, and mudborne pathogens toxins i mean just dysentery the, the athlete's foot alone um or uh trench foot trench foot yeah um probably wound up costing some people some limbs oh yeah so yeah it's it's i mean i know we keep sort of harping on how awful it must have been but that is what the movie really pounds home is just how terrible the conditions were and what they were being asked to do. Um, and there's also, even though there is camaraderie between the four um, and an older soldier named Cat, um, who is sort of like the father figure, the mentor, yeah. who who has been there a while and, and knows things, um, has been a soldier apparently for quite a while, at least, that's my guess. Um, you know, there is friendship there, um, but it's a friendship born out of their hardships. Well, yeah, people bond over crisis. Right. And um, there's likely, that may be the best thing, the most, you know, the the most happy thing about the movie is seeing these um, the relationship between Cat and the and the young soldiers, even though he's a bit antagonistic to start with because he doesn't have the time or the patience to try to teach them all the things they need to yeah, know. Yeah, it's like oh god, I've got to potty train these puppies, please. <laughs> uh, but that is the one small bright spot in this particular uh, story. Um, but, you know, again, you, it's, it is a devastating look at war, and that war in particular. Um, and it is, it is something. Yeah, we've watched a number of war films over the course of our, you know, 40 years together, mm -hmm. 30 six and a half married um some of which we've reviewed here 
We have um, Catch-22. We did MASH. Um, we've both seen Save it, Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, several other things that don't come to mind immediately, but we've watched we've watched some war films over the course of the years and some documentaries. And so, yes, yeah, some documentaries. World War II documentaries. Yes, yeah. my dad was in World War II mm -hmm. in Europe. Um, so this film to me is. Um, not like the others. Oh, no. In no way. Okay. Good. I'm glad I mean, it's not just me. I mean, even Saving Private Ryan, which is a devastating movie. But it had a plot. Yes, it had a story and a point A to point Z. Mm -hmm. um, much like War itself, this has no point. Uh, all... All quiet on the Western Front, other than to tell you how awful war is. Mm -hmm. It is um, an indictment on uh, those who send those to war, the leadership that sends young men to war, and it's still mostly young men. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, while they're sitting in their offices or in their chalets or wherever it is they happen to be or in their fancy train cars having a full breakfast or any other glass a, of wine. Throwing a huge bone to their big dog. Yeah. Um, there are people out on the battlefield dying. And not just dying, but dying horrible Horribly. deaths. Yes. And starving and sick and cold and wet and miserable in every possible way. And their leaders are, just don't, don't take that into consideration. Just, you know, one of the, the German general that uh, we, we um, see who's featured fairly uh, prominently, General Folk, F-O-C-H, Folk, Folk. Uh, kinda, sorta. Okay. Um, he talks about being born too late. Was that what he said? Because all of his, all of his ancestors oh, yeah. were. All, yeah, they were all like hand-to-hand -hand combat guys. Yeah. He was like more of a, you know, behind-the-desk war guy. <laughs> well, and, and it was like he had missed out because all of his ancestors had fought in all these various wars. Had been real warriors, and, not administrative and, guys. Yeah, and he he felt like, you know, he he was he he had been cheated in some way simply because of when he was born. Yeah, it's uh it, it is it is a painful and yet still beautiful movie. And if you don't mind the 2 hours and 27 minutes um, of course, that includes all the credits. Then, if you have that kind of time to to invest, then you know, uh, invest it. Invest it, because at least you can see you have say you have seen a uh, Academy Award Best Picture nominee for this year. Um, and honestly, for me, it it 
totally did not feel like it was that long at all. No, it, it moved. I was riveted. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting film, and it and it does a great job of telling us the story of these young men and showing us how they try to survive this uh, horrendous uh, battle. Hell, hellscape. Yes, this hellscape. It's a hellscape. It's, it, you know, it isn't something to watch if you're in a sad mood and you want to perk up. But uh, it, no. if you are um, uh, interested in history and, you know, getting a, a look at what it was like for World War One soldiers, then by all means, check out All Quiet on the Western Front. It is on Netflix. We're going to take a break and give you our probably very unsurprising ratings, as well as talk about what we've watched right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We have been discussing All Quiet on the Western Front. On the Rotten Tomatoes scale, the film has a 90% with 152 critics uh, reviewing it. And uh, over on Metacritic, it has a 76 based on 36 critics, indicating a generally favorable review. Um, one reviewer for Netflix Junkie wrote, It does not pull its punches with the screenplay having the potential to make you squirm. The film touches upon the loneliness, the catalyst of desperation, the fear of civilians in battle, and the chaos. Um, ben uh, Kinnisberg for the New York Times was less impressed. Uh, he prefers the 1930 version of the film, but appreciated the pounding soundtrack. He also praised the addition of a parallel plot tracking the armistice, even if it diverged from the first-person narrative of the novel. He found the tweaked fate of the characters to be narratively powerful. On the other end of that, uh, a... Um, a review in New Statesman, which I don't know what that is, but um, it says, in Germany, it is seen as shallow, cynical, and, quote, horny for Oscars, unquote. Oh, man. Military historian and, prof and a, German, a, a German military historian and professor believes the film is incorrect, loaded with cliches, and not very authentic. Well, I don't... And, you know, he was totally in that battle in World War One, so he oh, yeah. totally knows what authentic is and what isn't. Uh, the film has been nominated for nine Academy Awards, as we mentioned earlier, for Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, which, where? Uh, best Cinematography, uh, Best Production Design, Best Sound, Best Original Score, Best International Feature Film, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Picture. Um, and now that we have discussed it at length, please tell me, what did you think of All Quiet on the Western Front? I am not a sophisticated film viewer. No, neither am I. But I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it kind of leaves me a little bit speechless in a way. Mm -hmm. um, 
The only thing I can really ding is part of the score because there's this recurring motif mm -hmm. that sounds like 80s synth music and it's mm -hmm. just like a four or five note lick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But it's about. so weird and seems misplaced to me. It seems, yeah, it, it seems like not what you would hear in a movie of this type set in this time. It seems very... It but that may be the whole point. Right. That may have been the composer's vision. It, but it's, it, it, to me, it seemed misplaced. It reminded me of something that would be in a sci-fi film. Yes. Like, you know, the giant monster or the big spaceship appears and there's this... Uh, yeah, there's this very sort of, I'm sure that if we had seen it in the theater, we would have been rattled yeah. uh, by the sound of it. So, yeah, that that stuck out a little mm -hmm. bit to me uh, as being odd, and they use it over and over and over again. And I was trying to figure out if it was a leitmotif in that um, leitmotif is a is a musical concept where um, a particular theme relates to a particular character or a particular event mm -hmm. and is repeated every time that character or that event is depicted. Um, but I couldn't really... But it didn't seem to be. It didn't seem to be because I was looking for mm -hmm. like make it make sense mm -hmm. and it just to me it just never did I now mean, on a on a second viewing it might well it it seemed to happen with people seemed to happen with a battle scene it seemed to happen when it was just looking out over a pastoral landscape it was yeah it was weird so uh, it, yeah it 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 struck me as sticking out a bit yes misplaced exactly but uh, aside from that um, I really can't find any flaws. Yeah. It's, it's a big old five from me. Okay. Five stars from me as well. Um, it is on Netflix and if you are in a mood that could handle it, because it is a dark and, uh, Intense. devastating film, uh, then All Quiet on the Western Front gets, um, a high recommendation from both of us. Also, if you've read the book, I would be interested to see or learn what what readers of the book think of the film. Hmm. So if you've read the book, go on Netflix, screen the film, stream the film, and then, um, you know, email us and let us know what you thought. Mm -hmm. Um, did you like the book? Did you like the film? Did you hate them both? Did you like one and hate the other? What were your thoughts? But we, we would love that kind of interaction with you. So, yes. um, ctmarriage at gmail.com? Comedy tragedy marriage. Comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. CT marriage is, um, at is, CT is, marriage. At CT marriage yeah. is, is, uh, Our Twitter. Twitter. Yes. Twitter, 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 Twitter. Twitter. Just gonna soften all of those consonants. Like Jennifer Coolidge, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, what have you been watching? Okay, 
um, on the theme of, you know, testosterone and male bonding and conflict, mm. um, the only thing of note that I have to watch is one night I stayed up really late and um, I was searching, um, I was in a Vincent D'Onofrio kind of place. So I searched Vincent D'Onofrio and um, one of the things that came up that he was in was 1999's uh, made-for-TV movie, actually, um, That Championship Season. Um, now, this particular production um, was, um, again, um, made-for-TV. I'm thinking it was for Showtime. Um, I'm on the wiki. Um, it was made-for-television film. Um, it was, it's about the this particular iteration is the 20th reunion of four members of a championship high school um, basketball team and their coach. Um, the film was based on Jason Miller's Pulitzer Prize winning um, play from 1972, also titled That Championship Season. Um, it was um, a stage play and then it was also um, made into a movie in 1982. Um, this 1999 version was directed by Paul Sorvino, who also portrays the coach in this film. However, in the stage version and the um, 1982 movie, Paul Sorvino, obviously much younger, played one of the ball players. Um, this was a powerhouse cast of people, directed by Paul Sorvino, as I said, um, starring Paul Sorvino, also Vincent D'Onofrio, Terry Kinney, Tony Shalhoub, and Gary Sinise as the, um, the ball players. Um, this was wonderful and made me mad um, because there's a lot of, like, a lot of very racist, derogatory, racist language, um, not just at African-American people, but people of um, Jewish heritage, of Italian heritage. Um, I think there are a couple of slurs um, aimed at the Irish as well. Just, yeah, just. And Paul Sorvino as the coach... Um, Oh, fair, fair amount of misogyny as well. Oh, well, of course. Uh, of course. Um, I don't like Paul Sorvino being a jackass, but his character um, was jackass, and Paul Sorvino being the actor that he was um, played it to marvelous effect, mm -hmm. um, and it pains me to say that. Um, Terry Kinney and Gary Sinise play um, the Daly Brothers, James and Tom, and um, they both played on, on the team, and um, Vincent D'Onofrio is um, Phil Romano, one of their teammates, and Tony Shalhoub is um, the, uh, the mayor of the town they live in, and with, like, bleached sort of reddish blonde hair is very strange looking um we've we've not seen him like this um but the the basic time frame and plot of the movie is they come together it takes the it takes place over the course of an evening 
um, they've gone to the school and, you know, been celebrated. And then they all meet back at Coach's house and, you know, to relive the glory days of that championship season. And over the course of this, um, we, we get into a lot of the nitty gritty about what's happened to them in the 20 years since that championship season, how their lives maybe have not turned out the way that they thought they would. You know, one of them's kind of a man whore womanizer type. The other, you know, Tony Shalhoub's character has become the mayor of the town. Um, one of the Daly brothers is um, a, like a junior high school principal with aspirations to be involved in politics and, you know, delusions of grandeur. And the other brother is just kind of a pitiful, alcoholic, ragdoll shell of a man. Mm. And over the course of this evening, they they end up at each other's throats. And they, they're like taking turns um, eviscerating one another verbally. Okay. And, you know, the fisticuffs happen. And, um, and then at the end... Um, it's like everybody's all, you know, they reconcile and, um, there's a teammate who we never see, we hear him talked about, um, but he's absent and he has been absent from any reunion that they've ever had. And it's like, why does this guy never show up when everybody else has this blind allegiance to the coach and this... Um, rose-colored glasses view of their championship season um, and we we eventually that those layers get pulled back in the in the course of this just tour de force performances from all of these actors and it was it was glorious and frustrating and um, I'm really really glad I spent the time to watch it and I streamed it on Tubi is it frustrating because they everything's all hunky dory at the end or a little bit okay it's like it's it's tied up a little bit too neatly and over the course of the evening what part of what i got from it is that this coach was um mentally and psychologically very abusive to these boys mm-hmm um, you know, winning at all costs. Got to get the best out of them. Got to get the best out of them, yeah. And, you know, be a man and, mm-hmm. and all of this, yeah. you know. And uh, it, it almost, not Stockholm Syndrome, but um, a love-hate relationship with your abuser. Mm-hmm. And he, he had been a very abusive, but again, very loving figure it's very complex Mm -hmm. and the way that it's staged and everything it's obvious that it was written as a play Mm -hmm. um which you know i dig stuff like this with small casts and really deep dives into characters like mostly a single location kind of thing yeah okay yeah yeah all right so really 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 good yeah tubi is a uh service streaming service that is free uh, you get have commercials. commercials. That's when you go pee and get a sandwich. Right. Or pause it. And um, so that it's it's a free service. So. Yeah. No monthly fees there to other be, than your other than your cable subscription. To be T U B I. Yes. So not to be or not to be. Gotcha. <laughs>
I see what I did there. Yeah, I, 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 I did. Yeah. Uh, you and I have been watching Star Trek Picard. Okay. Third and final season. Oh, God. Okay, so I was debriefing with a friend of mine the other night after he and his wife finally watched it because the night that it streamed initially, um, she had already crashed out so that he didn't watch it without her. And I'm like, that's way cool, but mm -hmm. dude. Um, and he he brought up a couple of points that like, you know, the, the Picard... Um, big conflict storyline with the the young character that mm -hmm, we saw, the mm -hmm, young male character, mm -hmm. um, was like, you know, on one hand, you know, Picard seemed, you know, involved and invested, and, and on the other hand, not so much. And, you know, there's people, humans doing things that humans wouldn't necessarily do, and, you know, how are they going to make all of this work out? And I'm like, well, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of magic band-aids that are going to be pulled out to explain things and sort of wrap them up. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sorry. I am all about me some Worf. Yes. So this was a pretty, it wasn't a Worf-centric episode, but we got some good um, good Worf cake happening, and I was I was so happy. She loves herself a fork oh, full of Worf. Hashtag Worf is my dream date and grayed up, gray headed, gray bearded Worf, son of Moog, and this whole list of, you know, things that he goes down. House of Martok. Um uh, Bane son, of Son of Um Roshenko. Um Bane of the Duras. Bane of the Duras family. Killer, Killer of Gowron. Killer of Gowron. Yeah. I just that showed up in my socials today on a like a Klingon themed Starbucks cup where the the barista had labeled all of that stuff on the cup and I'm like, oh, this makes me so happy. But <laughs> um yeah, Worf just anyway. Yeah. There's You're... a lot of fan service. Right, there is. Uh, but there needs to be more because mm -hmm. we have Picard, Riker, and Beverly Crusher together in one place, and then we have Worf off by himself with uh, with uh, Rafi. Rafaela. And uh, we haven't seen Jordy yet, although we have his daughter. We have his daughter who is um, a navigator on the bridge of the USS Titan. And of course, Data is dead, but we know we've seen the promo. Lore is going to show up eventually. Yeah. And um, who am I leaving out? Troy. But Troy. We've seen Troy, but she's not. You see, here's the thing. They've got them all spread out. They're all in various locations. We need to have them all clustered together. That's right. Um, and we haven't gotten any yet. Of course, we're only three episodes in. That's true. We've got a little time. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful that the uh, the old gang will eventually be uh, back. The band will be. We're getting reformed, the band back together, uh, with the exception of Data. Uh, but we, we're still going to have Brett Spiner as Lore. Yeah. Um, but still, uh, I, I, I want I want my crew back together in one place. I would love that. Um, yes, I would love for that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that reunion of sorts. Um, we did get um, a little 
Am I spoiling if I... I guess last week. With, like, the... Oh, yes. Who our main who our main villain is. It looks like the big bads are going to be the changelings. Yes. Uh, the Dominion. Are we going to revisit Dominion War kind of territory? And did you catch the reference to Odo? I think so. Yeah. Worf said a good friend of his yes. was in touch with him. Of I course, did. Rene Aubergenois, who was the uh, actor who portrayed Odo, passed away He's some dead. years yeah. ago. And so that was sort of like, oh, but does that mean Kira is going to show up or does that mean O'Brien is going to show up? Oh, I would love me some O'Brien because he was already into franchises like Worf. Mm -hmm. I would love to see him show up in this one and make it a third yeah. like Worf. Yeah. So, so, but again, we have. Maybe even Cisco. Oh my God. Well, but Cisco disappeared well, yeah, at the end he's, of DS9, unless he comes back as uh, one of uh, the prophets, because yeah. he's half prophet. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are all kinds of cool things that could happen. And there are people listening to this going, what, what are you people are talking they, about? Are they on acid? What are they talking about? No, we're just Trek people. No. Mind is, your business. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, and then on the other side of that coin, uh, I've been watching The Mandalorian. Now, there's only one episode out of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus, But uh, we got uh, a lot of Grogu. The, uh, That's like Baby, Baby Yoda, Baby right? Baby Yoda. Chalky milk and fruity juice. <laughs> and we got um, uh, a look at what apparently the... Uh, overall story is going to be uh, the Mandalorian uh, Din Jardin took off his helmet which is against his particular sect against the rules he's an apostate now Rut row. and he's got to find the uh, living waters under the surface of Mandalore unfortunately apparently uh, Mandalore's surface has been uh, devastated by the Empire and the Living Waters no longer exist, at least as far as anybody knows, but he's still going to try to find out uh, and find them so he, can, so he can be purged of his sin of taking off his helmet. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh, first episode uh, of The Mandalorian. It's... Uh, it's just fun to get back into the Star Wars universe. Uh, I've been watching uh, The Bad Batch, and I think we're nearing the end of the season. Um, it's, um, and, and it's been a good story, too, but it's, it's just different since it's uh, animated. But uh, I, 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 enjoy, I have enjoyed all The Mandalorian I've seen. Uh, you can watch it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we watched, uh, not live, but the uh, once they had it on the service, Chris Rock's Selective Outrage Ooh. on Netflix. It Now, not the funniest comedy special you'll ever watch. Um, and he actually has made a lot of people angry about oh, yeah. some of the things oh, that he yeah. said. Uh, but the last chunk is about Will Smith and the uh, slap at the Oscars heard around the world. And he, he talks about some stuff that 
I don't think I ever heard had been verified about Will and Jada um, uh, and their marriage. Oh, about their like entanglements? Yes. And, oh, yeah. Um, and of course, Jada's, Jada's very public about her freakness. Well, it, it's very full of um, foul language. It's Chris um, Rock. Hey, it's Chris Rock. You'd be disappointed otherwise. Um, but um, I enjoyed it just hearing him. It, and, and again, it's not that funny to me. Um, there were a few moments where I laughed, but overall, it's a lot of people compared it to a Chris Rock yelling at kids to get off his lawn. Um, <laughs> but it was an enjoyable yelling at kids to get off your lawn. So. And he does yell the whole hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, there is no, he, there, it's all yelling. He must be uh, hoarse by the end of it. Or he's so practiced at it that it doesn't affect him. And finally, History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. Um, the uh, comic genius Mel Brooks made a movie 40-some years ago called The History of the World Part 1. It was a series of um, comedy sketches, vignettes about events in history, of course, greatly exaggerated in some ways uh, and comedic in, in all ways. Um, and now, along with Nick Kroll, he has created uh, a four-night event where there's two half-hour episodes of History of the World Part 2. Very quick, in and out, um, you know, don't, don't waste any time, slam as many jokes in as you can, and then go to the next thing. And I appreciate that. Now, granted, it is not the funniest, again, like the Chris Rock special, not the funniest thing I've ever seen, but I have had a laugh or two uh, while watching History of the World Part 2, available to stream on Hulu. Okay. Okay. Well, that's going to take care of it for this week. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you could, please uh, give us a like, rate, and review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, five stars on uh, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a subscribe. Share us with your friends on social media. If you have something you'd like us to watch and talk about on Comedy Tragedy Marriage, uh, a movie, TV show, or documentary, send it to us. Comedy Tragedy Marriage at Gmail. Dot com. I'm Stan the Movie Man. That's Maud the Movie Broad. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. later.